Welcome to the messages of Cornerstone Anglican Church. In this episode, Neil Griffiths delivers Pastor Andrew's message on opportunity and how much more we can do with all the possibilities that God provides. So I'm preaching today from Andrew's notes and it's titled Using Opportunities. It's 2023 and we have our resolutions and we have our mottos and I think I've got a resolution and a motto for 2023 and I'll tell you about it later. So looking at Andrew's notes, he talks about the first step towards using opportunities is to ensure that we are available to God for the opportunities he may bring our way. And if we're not inwardly available to God, then we will not respond to the opportunities as they arise, or we may not even see them as opportunities. It's always challenging when you can easily look back in hindsight and see the opportunities that you missed. Look back and you go, oh, there was one, you know, there was one, there was one. Didn't see any of those, missed them all. And that when there's one staring you in the face right here and right now, sometimes they're a little bit difficult to discern. I'm sure that fixating on your missed opportunities is bad for the soul, so we probably shouldn't do that. So Andrew's noted some Bible passages that highlight how we can be available for God's agenda and the opportunities that arise from it. So Matthew writes that we should first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The promise that comes from this command is the provision of our material needs. So seeking the Lord brings opportunities. In Matthew again, he talks about building upon rock and not sand. Building upon rock refers to those who hear and act upon Jesus' words. Jesus notes that it's not enough to say, Lord, Lord, but to do, do. Acting upon what God calls us to do through Jesus. Those who build on sand do not take Jesus' words seriously and thus do not act upon those words. The promise that comes with this command is stability in this life and eternity. So opportunities come when we do the will of God when he calls. And obedience is better than sacrifice. So here Andrew's noted a passage from Samuel. So in this passage, God has tasked Saul to go out and wipe out the Amalekites and all their livestock. But Saul sees the livestock, reckons they're pretty good, very tasty looking animals, and so he keeps a bunch of them. 
And then Samuel comes along and he tells Samuel, oh, look, I only kept them to offer them as sacrifices. So Samuel says to King Saul, has the Lord as a great delight in bird offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. So Saul acted like he was doing God's will, but he didn't. Opportunities come when we obey the Lord. They come when we live on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I read that passage and I thought, well, Samuel didn't chastise Saul for fibbing to him about what he wanted to do with the animals. He only chastised him about not doing God's will. I'm sure Saul didn't knock the animals off just to offer them as sacrifices. And then, more authoritatively than that last scripture, we have a passage in red letters from the Bible that says, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Andrew notes that God asks us to be available to him to invite others into the kingdom of God. And so in 2023, we hope to have more special church services, ones like panel servers and guest speakers to provide extra opportunities for that outreach. Now, that's been stifled in the past few years, and we'd like to open that back up again and and to really see our outreach grow. Outreach requires commitment. If we're not sure whether we are going to make it ourselves, then we will be reticent in inviting others. Invites and outreach also require a positive attitude about our local church and the life it offers, and that can be challenging in the world around us. We tend to conflate what's happening in the wider church with what's happening in our local church, this church right here and right now. So I've been struggling with this a lot, you know, I have complaints. And so before Christmas, I had a discussion with Andrew about it. And basically it went like this. How do we stay positive when we don't seem to all be on the same page? So anyway, we had a chat about it and wasn't really resolved there in any meaningful way. And then lo and behold, the next Sunday, Andrew's preaching about it. So he unpacks this positivity, how to stay positive and stuff like that. And then at the end of it, he gave an answer to how we stay positive that was completely sound and right. And it kind of went into my heart a fair bit, but I wasn't totally happy with it. Because the answer didn't absolve me of all my responsibilities. So the answer didn't just fix the problem. The answer said, you've still got some role to play in this problem. And of course, we mostly want our problems to be solved by fixing that lot out there. You know, I'm okay. Let's just move on and let's see all those other problems dissolve in front of us. So I wasn't really happy and I'm stewing over the answer. I know the answer's right, but I still wanted something else to happen as well. So then I get an email saying, there's Andrew's 50 years as a Christian panel service. Do you have any questions? And I go, yes, I do. 
I'm going to ask the same question again, but I'm going to reword it completely to see if I can get an answer that I'm more happy with than the previous answer. The panel service goes on and Andrew answers my question completely on face value. So he doesn't see the nuance that I had drilled into it to try and make him answer the previous question the way I wanted it. Andrew came up to me after it and said, so did I answer your question? I went, no, yeah, (laughs) no. (laughs) I still wanted my bit answered properly. So by now you might be wondering what the right answer was. So how do we grasp our opportunities? How do we stay positive and strong in our local church? We do it by doing what matters to Jesus. That was his answer. Opportunities come when we do what matters to Jesus. Opportunities come when we're willing to engage others about church activities and when we are willing to pay the price of rejection or being snubbed. There are other forces involved that try and stifle the process of opportunities and how they play out. And obviously the devil, as always, can be involved here. He's out there trying to block what we're trying to do. So we need to be willing to wage war on the spiritual forces that want to close us down. The forces that can lock us up and chain us to the mundane. These same forces can constrain us to a legalistic morality that closes people out. They can burden us with anxiety till we are unable to operate as God intends. And day-to-day life can also stop us taking opportunities. We need to be aware that our activities can keep us so busy that we are technically unavailable to take opportunities when they arise. Blandness and mundanity are unappealing traits. To take God's word into the community, we need to get on the cutting edge of life. We need to get out of blandness. We need to get out of mundanity. Andrew really likes his quotes, and he has noted some here. The single common denominator of men and women who achieve great things is a sense of destiny. And even when opportunity knocks, a man still has to get up off his seat and open the door. One doesn't discover new lands without consenting to lose sight of the shore for a very long time. If you're not living life on the edge, you're taking up too much space. And keep away from people who try to belittle your ambitions. Small people always do that, but the really great make you feel that you too can become great. Andrew notes further that our commitment to availability can help us to recognise and use opportunities when they arise. It opens us up to engagement with people that we might have missed. Our availability makes us ready and willing for when that encounter happens. So opportunity knocks at the strangest times. It's not the time that matters, but how you answer the door. You can never win when you wear the ugly cloak of self-pity, and the sour sound of whining will certainly frighten away any opportunity for success. The secret of success in life is for a man to be ready for his opportunity when it comes. 
in Ephesians, Paul says that we make the most of our opportunities by looking carefully how we walk. Not as unwise men, but wise. Making the most of the time because the days are evil. To not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And again in 2 Corinthians, he talks about the fulfillment of God's opportunity. Working together with him when we entreat you not to accept the grace of God in vain. But God says, at the acceptable time, I have listened to you and helped you on the day of salvation. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. Andrew notes here that there's more to recognising opportunities when they arise. We need to be able to discern the nature of the opportunity itself. We might use opportunities for good, but there is potential for evil outcomes. So our discernment in what we do and how we approach the opportunities is paramount. And Andrew quotes Jesus from the Bible saying that we should not share the truths of the kingdom of God with some people. He says, do not give what is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine or they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. These are people who want to revile those precious truths that God has given to us. For Jesus, these were the religious leaders of his day, not the outcasts, the prostitutes, the publicans, the tax collectors or the sinners. And interestingly, this little passage came up at morning tea a couple of weeks ago and maybe Andrew will preach upon it because it's an interesting concept. What are our pearls? What should we do with them? Who do we give them to? Who do we withhold them from? And when does the pearl make the difference and when does it not make the difference? And, you know, I'm sort of thrashing around with it and Tim comes up with the answer like it's the nudge of the Holy Spirit that makes you want to hand over your pearls. And I'm always gratified that Andrew has unpacked this for me because the pearls are not the gospel of the Lord. You give the gospel of the Lord to everyone. That's not your pearl. Your pearl is your deep inner gift that God has given you. So it's something that God has revealed to you. It's something that's precious and it's special to you. And it's deeply personal. That is your pearl. So if you drag that one out and throw it down in front of everyone, then it might get stamped on and that would be a bad thing. We're not to miss the opportunity to preach. and We're not to miss the opportunity to outreach. We just have to be discerning on how we do it and who we do it to. Proverb notes another warning for us not to be enticed by sinners to do evil things to others. We're not there to become like them, but to show them the way into the kingdom of God by showing them his love and acceptance. Andrew's love of quotes continues. Next to knowing when to seize an opportunity, the most important thing in life is to know when to forgo an advantage. You can have an advantage, but is it right to drive home the advantage? And sometimes it obviously isn't. Opportunity may knock only once, but temptation leans on the doorbell. We get a few opportunities, but we get a lot of temptations. And when we get the opportunity, we have to stick with it. Paul entreats us to not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. 
And Luke brings us a parable about persistence where a widow refuses to give up in her quest for justice. So persisting in prayer is good. You might finally get it right. You know, I've lived my own version of this judge and the widow saga for quite some time. You know, a few years back, I found myself at the end of a 10-year prayer battle with God. So I had something that I wanted to change in my life. And I thought, well, how do we get this to change? So we start praying about it. So I prayed all sorts of prayers that I thought would solve the problem in a way that seemed right to me. I'm a bit of a fix-it type of person, so here's my problem. I can fix this if all these things happen. Come up with the scheme and then pray it in. And so I could pray and pray and pray and nothing happens. So you go, oh, okay, that one there is obviously not the right one. But I can fix this a different way. So I come up with another scheme and do the same thing. And pray and pray and pray and nothing happens. And so this goes on and on. I come up with various schemes. I think three or four of these elaborate schemes. Now this goes on over 10 years. So I'm not just praying this twice and giving up. It's a lot. And so at the end of this, I'm disheartened, I'm miserable, and I'm at the end of my tether. You know, the problems, to me, is dominating my life, and it's dominating my thinking, and obviously God's not listening, he doesn't care, he's not taking any of my ideas on board. Great ideas, why don't you do them, God? So years and years pass, this is obviously futile, and I'm just sitting there one day, abjectly depressed and I do all right I give up do something God anything whatever you want to do I've had enough just knock yourself out and do something wow so things started to change almost immediately and really dramatic things started to change and so the problem recedes the weird thing was that none of the things I asked for did God do? So not even close of any of the schemes or bits of the schemes or elements of the schemes that I prayed for, did God do? None of them. He did something completely different and he solved the problem. So I wasn't the only person in the problem. There was a bunch of people in the problem and everybody came out of the problem pretty happy. So everything changed. I'm happy. Everyone else is happy. But there's a theme developing here. I'm not totally happy. Because I still thought parts of my ideas were pretty good. Like you could have done a little bit of that along with this other thing you did over here to fix it. And then the other day, Andrew again is recalling his story about being in King's Cross and the car. We need a car. I'll pray in a car. No car comes. And then God says to him, if I'd given you the car, everything would have blown up. And I'm not sure I thought about this until probably just the other day, and you know, I've heard that story a few times, and I thought, well, that probably applies to me. I think if you give me any of those things, great things, then maybe everything would have blown up. So I'm stuck with the contrasting similarities here, and I'm going to bring Tim into this conversation because he spoke about it in a message just a couple of weeks ago, 
So I have liberty to ad lib on what he talked about. It's the contrast in how things go and maybe the best course of action and things like that. So Tim had a problem at work. So he goes to God and says, hey, look, there's a problem. You know, what should I do about it? He gets a word from God and he has to stay the course. So he has to be persistent and wait for that opportunity to unfold. And so he does. So now I've got a problem. So I come up with these elaborate schemes and I ask God, like, just implement one or the other or the next one and the next one. And so then I persist waiting for the opportunity till I finally give up and ask God what he wants to do. So, you know, in the end, both of our problems were fixed awesomely. Tim waited a whole year for his opportunity, for his problem to be resolved, and I only had to wait a decade for mine. Maybe there's a lesson there to be learned somewhere. I hope so. So to finish, Paul says, Therefore, since we have this ministry as we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. We have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. So in 2023... How do we make ourselves available for opportunity? How do we take our opportunities and make the most of them? And how do we see our opportunities through to the end and not lose heart? We do it by doing what matters to Jesus. So that's my resolution for 2023. That's my motto for 2023. To try my best to do what matters to Jesus. When we do that, The Bible tells us that our opportunities will be in front of us. We'll be presented with opportunities and all we have to do then is to take them. So let us pray. Father God, I pray that you just shower us with these opportunities. They rain down upon us and that they're obvious to us. I pray that we have the spirit of discernment to see the opportunities that we need to take and to ignore and avoid the ones that lead to evil ends. Father God, we need strength to go forth. We need strength to take these opportunities. We need strength to keep the walk with you. And Father God, we need the strength to have faith that what we're doing will bring the people of expectation into your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you'd like to hear more great messages from Pastor Andrew, check out our Facebook page or look us up on the net at cornerstone-church.com.au.